Hello and welcome to the Traumanomics Podcast, a place where we discuss a wide range of topics emphasizing healing, change, and growth for abuse survivors. Drawing from personal and professional experiences, we'll discuss issues openly for those in helping positions such as parents, educators, health and mental health professionals, and members of law enforcement. This is Dr. Chris Bertelson. Chris is a survivor, educator, and author. As a teenager, Chris was a target of a notorious child molester in his hometown, a man who went on to abduct and murder one of the victims. This abduction case went unsolved for 27 years. Chris was instrumental in helping bring attention to the cases, which were eventually solved in 2016. And this is Jordan Howard. Jordan is a therapist here in Arkansas with extensive experience working with abuse victims and males in particular. In addition, Jordan works with couples and people with addictions. Together, we hope to share stories and commentary of resilience and healing in a caring and lighthearted way, bringing attention to issues of abuse, addiction, and the effects on individuals and society. Hey guys, we really appreciate you tuning into our podcast today. And guys, if you find our content valuable, uh, if you if you like our show, please get on social media, get on Twitter, uh, follow us on there. It's at Upstart Res. Uh, please get on the iTunes store and subscribe to us. We would really appreciate that. And if you're listening on Google Play, uh, we appreciate you subscribing there as well. In addition, we'd like you to go to our website, upstartresilience.com or traumanomicspodcast.com. There you can look around. There's some free resources for you there, including a blog um, that we'll be doing periodically, hopefully weekly, and keep checking the website because we will be adding more resources and links as time goes on. Hey guys, we're coming at you again today with uh, uh, me and Chris sitting here. We're actually just jamming out to our uh, wicked cool bumper music that we keep, uh, you know, if, if there was just video here, guys, I'm doing this. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, we don't want video. You know, two grown men just, you know, sitting here with our, you know, pretending to play slide guitars. Air guitar, and, man. Yeah, Air guitar. That's right. Yeah, that's, that's the way you do it. So, anyway, guys, I hope, hope, uh, hope everybody's doing well. Um, I know the last, uh, last couple weeks here on the podcast, we have been, uh, uh, listening to Chris tell his, uh, tell his story. And you know, I know that's one thing that we um, we're kind of advocating on here is is people being able to own their story and and be able to tell their story uh, fully. You know, that's one thing that um, I think we're you know trauma trauma therapies and things of that nature have been pointing to for a while, being able to own your full story. And so that's what what Chris has been doing, and and you know sharing it here on the podcast very openly. And today, you guys, we're actually getting to. Uh, one of the probably rarest crimes that you will you will find, and, and Chris is going to share uh, sort of the thing that we've kept leading to, you know, this entire time, and, and how he'll wrap everything into this as we go. But I again, like the last couple of weeks, I'm going to turn it over to Chris and let him let him jump in to this case. All right, thanks, Jordan. So one of the things that uh, I've mentioned a couple of times as we've gotten going is uh, that I'd be talking about things geographically, not chronologically necessarily. Um, But last time I left off, we had moved my dad and I to St. Cloud, Minnesota, 30 miles from Painesville. And uh, I was a sophomore in high school, just turned 16. And there was a street in St. Cloud um, 
called St. Germain, St. Germain Street. It was closed off. It had a granite, some huge granite sculptures there. Uh, St. Cloud area has a lot of granite and um, so there's some sculptures, things like that but it was a, it'd be um, uh, you know, typical old kind of downtown storefronts that sort of thing and uh, I'll never forget October 22nd 1989 I had um, I had actually moved to St. Cloud and lived with a family before my dad retired he didn't move until uh, until later because of when he retired his birthday was in November so he had to wait so I was living I was living there with his family and I was on St. Germain Street and October in Minnesota is really interesting it, it can be just a terrible month cold wet uh, kind of windy cold that kind of thing but sometimes Minnesota Octobers have these unseasonably warm days to 65, 70 degree days. And I know Jordan's thinking, <laughs> 65 or warm. 70. Warm? <laughs> in October? What? It's still 80 in October here. Um, but Minnesota had these, these, it would be cold. I mean, if you <clears throat> have followed, um, you know, we, there was a just a terrible blizzard in 1991 on Halloween that shut down the upper Midwest. Minnesota had lots and lots of snow, but in 1989, October 22nd, it was a beautiful day, and um, this woman ran up to me frantically, handed me a flyer, and said this little boy was taken. And then, and she shake your head I kind of shook the cobwebs out of my head what taken she said this little boy they were riding their bikes and he was taken and um, the first thought I, I had was you know is this the same guy and um, you know I'm not going to go into all the details here um, that I do in, in the book obviously, but, um, and I'll plug this podcast to In the Dark, uh, Madeline Barron from um, excellent APM, podcast. excellent podcast. She, she did a pretty good job of that. And so I would plug that if you're interested in, in more detail. Um, that's a good place to start. And then, of course, my perspective is in the book. But I remember the, the, the feeling I had when I heard that, that Jacob Wetterling was taken. And so... I went home and, uh, you know, I don't really remember the next day or so, but then um, on the 24th, I decided to go to Stearns County and tell them uh, what I knew about Painesville. And so I did that. And, um, you know, we could probably put that, our tip up on the website, my tip up on our website too. So. And you can yeah. take a look at that. But, um, so I reached out to law enforcement. I gave them a tip, told them what was going on. I actually named Dewey Hart uh, on that tip. And, you know, like I said, you, you mentioned it before. I, I think it's kind of interesting. We all knew, uh, you know, Dewey Hart, top suspect as far as we were concerned. What's interesting about this is that Dewey Hart was not the guy, first of all. Spoiler alert. And uh, Dewey Hart actually ran interference for this other um, who 
Chester the Molester, as I called him, um, in Painesville, who actually turned out to be Danny Heinrich. And, um, and we'll get into all of that later. But uh, so that night I went to, uh, or that afternoon, the 24th, I went to Searns County, gave them the tip. They assigned it to an officer. They said that they'd have somebody from the Wetterling Task Force call me back, get back to me, and so on. And so I waited. And um, the similarities between our case, the cases in Painesville, and, and the Wetterling case were striking. We're on bikes. I'm a paper boy. Jacob Wetterling's a paper boy. Another paper boy in Painesville. He followed paper boys. So there's, there's all of these similarities. Fit the profile. Fit the profile, right? The one to me that just made... Well, I mean, obviously it was the same guy, but the, the one that made it seem so obvious to me was attacking groups of kids. You know, how brazen um, to, to go after somebody when there's more than one kid. We had five kids when we were at the campsite. Two of us on the, on the uh, uh, riding home bus on our bikes. Yeah, and then, and then there, was, there was at least one more where there were two more for sure, where two kids or more were there. And and so, I mean, that, to me, within 30 miles of each other, there had to be some, really, right? some relationship there. Well, anyway, uh, I waited, didn't hear back. The news was full of this story. As, as you, I mean, you might remember, Jordan, but it was a, a national story, um, the, the largest ever missing child search up to that point. Minnesota, maybe in the nation, and um, you know, yeah. well, and to speak to that for a minute, just, and I can I can back that up. At the time, 1989, yeah. I, I'm living in Illinois. I'm, I'm younger at that point, right? Uh, with my parents, and I can remember actually hearing about the case. You know, back then, back then, when I because I was I was a little kid at right. the time, and so I'm going like, you know, right. just one of those things again that piques your. Right, you know. Yes, exactly. Well, and it was as I mean, as we've mentioned, this is a very rare, very rare crime, very small town, all those sorts of things. So, so Jacob lived in um, St. Joseph, Minnesota, which is uh, about eighteen miles from my hometown, about ten, twelve miles from St. Cloud, eight, ten, twelve miles right in there from St. Cloud. So we're talking about thirty miles between St. Cloud and um, and Painesville. So I waited. I hadn't heard anything. Um, end of December. Okay, so I went to them, told the story, gave them the tip, didn't hear anything. And so I went to uh, my dad and I asked him, uh, I wanted to speak to Jerry Wetterling or Patty Wetterling. And, and the way to do that, I felt, was to go to his office. He was a, had a chiropractic practice in St. Joe and so I asked my dad to make an appointment and we went to the appointment and I told Jerry everything that happened in Painesville. Now this was in December of 1989. Within a few weeks of that Duane Hart was arrested and one of his victims came forward. Now I don't know the details you know, and there were tens of thousands of tips coming in and everything. But I, um, 
I believe they followed up on that, on the heart lead, and one of his victims came forward, and he actually had hundreds of victims. This is decades of child, child molestation. One of his victims came forward, and, uh, and Hart went to prison. He then went to a civil commitment in Minnesota. He's in a uh, ther- uh, sex offender's um, civil commitment. So they did follow up on him. Now, they didn't find Jacob in, at that time. And there are a lot of details about the case that are just, they are head scratchers you know you just you read about or you listen to in the dark things like that Um, there were some things that should have been done differently weren't done whatever Um, you know it's not really this isn't really the venue to to talk about the the case necessarily Um, but there were some things that were pretty clear some other things that could have been done that weren't. There's definitely some things that were missed. Definitely some things that were missed. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it doesn't, it doesn't change the outcome, but, um, but it did, it did happen. Now, one of the things that, um, one of the things that, you know, from this experience, when Jacob was taken, it just, it took my experiences to a whole new level. Like, whoa, this is really, just incredible it's just awful you know and and you know I couldn't get my I just couldn't believe it I couldn't get my head around that he actually took the kid you know and I'm 16 at the time you know and um, thinking about uh, you know I was gonna be able to drive and things like that I felt more adultish at that time um, but still just had this real deep connection I felt to Jacob and I always did actually and after meeting Jerry um, you know we really hit it off well and I, I think he believed in our in what was happening with us and wanted to help and all of that and I remember having this feeling like oh you know maybe we can help each other you know maybe maybe there's something that'll come out of this and find Jacob right. and um, you know so that was really my purpose was was to get that get that information to them at the, at the time Christy were you the only one that, that, that you know of that had gone to the police at that point or had there been had there been other to really kind of talk about the Painesville stuff all of that time right so yeah that's a good question so yes I went first and um, the FBI got involved sent agents to Painesville they interviewed they actually arrested Dewey, Dewey Hart um, you know, that whole arrest was, a, uh, you know, wasn't, wasn't handled right. You know, the, the, the sheriff 25 years, 26 years later goes, you know, when the files were released after Heinrich was caught, which, um, we'll talk about, obviously he, he said that, um, the arrest was a mistake at the time, the way that was done, that, you know, they didn't follow up on things that should have been caught earlier and so forth but but yeah that was um uh well, well and i'm just thinking what, what kind of triggered my question there was just i know i think it was last week maybe on the podcast where we talked about the difference in you know talking about the story but actually reporting it but at this point, right 
you're 16, you report it. Right. I did, and then, as I mentioned, the agents were sent to Painesville, and, and it was a buzz with FBI and Stearns County and, and so forth. And they interviewed some of the other Painesville guys. Well, and, yeah. and for me, I'm sitting here going, like, you know, you know, again, had somebody being you, in this case, not reported that. Right. You know, right. Where, where are you at that point? You know, and I know that's one of those you can't know, but. Right. One of the interesting things about it was um, having reported it and then not hearing back from them. Um, that was frustrating. You know, where are you guys? This is hot. You know, I, I remember going there thinking, you know, I've been carrying a knife around for two years. You guys aren't even going to look. And uh, so that was, a, that was a source of frustration for a lot of the guys in Painesville, you know, because we had gone through all this stuff. And now here, this crime's even worse. Yeah, it's ramped up. Even, I mean, it's it's ramped up to the point where he's, we don't even know where the little boy is, you know. Um, and, I, and I guess the, the thing I'd, um, uh, I'd want, I want to clarify here is that I uh, told you about Jacob, but it was in the process of Jacob that I found out about another case. And that case is Jared Shirel's. And I'm going to just kind of explain this the last minute and a half or two of the podcast here. Jared was actually kidnapped and assaulted in January of 1989. Jacob was taken in October of 1989. But I didn't know about Jacob, about Jared until Jacob. Because what happened is, you know, there was one, and Jared and I talk about this, there was one article, and uh, the Cold Spring Record paper, I didn't get the Cold Spring Record, I lived in Painesville, and then in St. Cloud, you know, so this is how, uh, small towns, right, Right. and and it was, um, well, we didn't have the communication, and we didn't have, you know, the social media stuff, and, you know, unless you had family in, in this other town or something, you're, just not going to hear about it and so um jared's case uh we'll talk about in the next episode a little bit more and then of course i'm gonna uh we'll touch base with jared and get him on here absolutely but um but i'll just mention his case a little bit um happened way before jacob but didn't get any news didn't get any press until jacob um really to press to speak of um and so I found out about Jared and uh, uh, at the, you know in October of, of eighty nine, months after his attack took place. So his attack, he was walking home from being with some friends ice skating. Man drove up, asked for directions, and uh, asked a specific family where they lived. And Jared started to give him directions. Guy forced him into the car, told him he'd kill him. Jared tell the rest of that story, but but he took him out of town and, and assaulted him, sent him running back home, um, told him if he turned around, don't turn around, I'll shoot. Um, Jared did the composite sketch of the of the perpetrator that would evolve into the one they used for Jacob because they believed the cases were related. So from the very beginning. Jared was involved with um, with that investigation, so um, I guess I'll leave that at that. Uh, 
with Jared, and we'll let Jared tell his story when he's on. For sure. Yeah. But, well, and just the you know connecting those pieces, uh, you know, and again, you know, I know you you mentioned before, Chris, that there's not the not the venue to really go on the things that were all missed and stuff, but it, right. but but there was a lot that just didn't get connected. Yeah, we and you know, yeah. and you know, Jared and I, we we can probably talk about that on another show too. But yeah, there were there were some striking similarities with with all the cases that people just didn't just didn't catch. Um, and in fairness to law enforcement, they uh, they did catch Dewey Hart. And what an irony that there would be not one but two notorious predators in one town of twenty five hundred people. Absolutely. Um, so. That's a tough job. It's a, you know, you think you got the guy. Oh, let's go away from Painesville. Um, well, and a good place for us to kind of probably push pause for today. But it's like looking at that one town of twenty five hundred people. You know, guys. You know, again, th- this is stuff that yes, this is a big story. This is a big national story that created a lot of attention. But we know there are other stories out there as right. well. And you know, again, we're hoping to give you guys a platform something to connect to, you know, Chris sharing his story as well. We know there's a lot of people out there who have, who have been victims of, you know, of crimes. Yeah, like this. absolutely. I mean, absolutely. You know, it, that town is not, a, is not an anomaly. It's I will not, say that. No, it's not. It's not. That's for sure. So, guys, we, we appreciate you tuning in. Uh, thanks for joining us. Chris, thanks for thanks for giving us your, you know, your story to this point. And yeah. As we say, we're going to keep continuing this. For we'll a while, keep right? continuing. Yeah. Come so, on back. Yeah. All See right. you next week, thanks. guys. This podcast is made available by Upstart Resilience, LLC, for educational purposes only, as well as to give you general information and a general understanding of the subject matter. This podcast is not designed to give specific professional advice. By using this podcast, you understand that there is no counselor-client relationship nor any other professional relationship between you and the hosts. This podcast should not be used as a substitute for competent professional advice from a licensed professional in your state.